0: Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for all you've sent our way. Those who are not here, bless them. Surround them. We want a closer walk with Jesus. And we're hungry and thirsty for you, O God. So come and and fill that thirst with your presence. Thank you for the many praises, as Phyllis has mentioned. Also, as Ellen is good praise, we're we're praying. Continue to pray for Joanne. All those things. Work out, dear God, lift her up for healing, complete restoration, complete healing. Thank you, Lord, that's done, and we thank you. Thank you for healing Ralph. He's stronger, bless him. We pray for Russell Walker. We pray for healing. Thank you that Ashley and Aaron and family had a good cruise. You brought them back. It's was a good time of refreshing. Thank you for protecting our sister Betty as she has fallen. Thank you for protecting her. We pray for healing for our brother Jim, in Jesus' name, as he anticipates uh, there with the surgery. We pray, Lord, for Pat, uh, for Lewis. Pray for healing for him. Be with Audrey. Give them strength in the power of the Lord. We pray today that uh, you put people across our path, so we ask you to bless Lois as uh, Kathy has uh, had an encounter, and uh, we know that Lois is being touched by your spirit even as we speak. We pray for guidance for Kendra. We pray, Lord, you would touch her and uh, provide for her beyond what she would imagine, bless her life as she's faithful to do your will. We pray for healing for Jackson. Thank you, Lord, you're healing Johnny, and that's complete. Thank you, Lord today that you are with us and, and, and you' you're doing great things in David's life and our lives in the body of this church. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you're there through family as Frankie and Scotty. We pray today for Barbara Bond for a complete healing. Pray for your protection as we travel. We need your protection every day as Patsy goes out of town. Be with her, <clears throat> and dear Lord, guide them as they uh, are on a trip. Be with us, O oh God. And then, dear God, anything else that has come to mind since that time we lifted to you today, because we know today that you're answering prayers and you're doing mighty things in the, in, in the earth, and we want to be a part of it. So Lord, please, kind of sweep us into what you're doing and let us be a part as we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 10. We were in Daniel last week. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 and then verses 10 through 14. Thank you, Kathy. Bless the young people, dear Lord, and watch over them and give an anointing to Kathy in Jesus' name. Thank you. Anybody gets Daniel chapter 10 verses 1 through 3, if you would read it, and then we'll look at verses 10 through 14 in Daniel. One through three. Yes. In the third year of Cyrus, King of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Balthasar? Yes, it's fine. The message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At the time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Okay, thank you, Jessica. Anybody's got 10 through 14, if you read it. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and your Humble yourselves before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. Two things. Daniel had a vision. God's releasing visions and dreams. If you'll ask him for dreams, prophetic dreams and, and visions and prophecies, ask him, be prepared, ask him for the interpretation. If you do have a dream and all, but Daniel's having dreams and visions, and God gives that. I believe in the last day church, the word of God says that, uh, that we will have the dreams and visions and, and all in the book of Acts. And so be prepared to receive those things. Ask Him. People are having dreams and people are sharing things with me that I believe are prophetic. And God is interpreting these dreams in a way. That's the way He speaks in many ways prophetically in what is yet to come. It gives direction, it also builds up the body of Christ. Second thing here is what happened is obviously Daniel was praying, he was a man of prayer. And he began to pray and and his prayers were being hindered by the Prince of Persia okay spirits in the spirit realm if we could see in the spirit realm, I've always said we'd probably be really alarmed we'd be surprised at the warfare that's going on and sometimes when there's a delay in your prayers and my prayers is that somehow I believe that somehow spirits can keep those prayers from becoming all that God desires to be as far as the answer is coming but here's the thing we're going to learn today, and one thing we can take away and we could really just End it right now, as far as the sermon. And that is, you keep on praying. Because sometimes we don't understand the heart of God because his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And Daniel was a man of prayer. And even as we see in Scripture, he was somebody that God really didn't come and and say, hey, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. Daniel was committed to to his God. Last week we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember? And they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And remember uh, what we said that um, they weren't burned at all and their hair was not singed. And, and actually the guards who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who would not bend their knee to Nebuchadnezzar is that the, the people taking him up there died. I Probably were fried to a crisp. But nothing happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And remember the king said, I thought you put three people in the furnace. Now I see four. And one is like the son of man. Jesus was there with him. A theophany in that respect. There in the furnace with him. Sometimes we feel like we are in the fiery furnace of life. And sometimes there are things that come against us. And obviously we just, we are going, where did that come from? It's because when your heart is set upon seeking the Lord, expect opposition. You know, I want to tell you, I don't think we fully understand the dynamics of the spiritual aspect in here and how serious it is. Satan has a plan, a strategy to destroy every Christian, to somehow um, diminish their witness. And he will do anything to destroy your family, to destroy your life, to destroy certainly a ministry, and we're all called to be ministers, and and anything around you, you in the workplace, wherever it might be, it doesn't have to be from a pulpit, Satan is bent upon destroying. He is a destroyer. Remember, the Bible says, be alert because your adversary is roaming around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. So Daniel's praying and all these things are happening, yet his prayers are being hindered by these demonic spirits. There are demonic spirits that are assigned to particular regions, I believe over cities, different cities, particular regional areas, over probably countries sometimes. When you see that people have a bent towards a particular uh, sin, sometimes I believe it's orchestrated because a particular uh, hierarchy of demonic spirits are over that particular region. There is strategies to take people down, to keep people from hearing the gospel and being set free. There's a strategy. And if you set your heart towards the Lord and say, I want salvation, I want to know I'm going to heaven when I die, I want to be uh, obviously free from these shackles that hold us all that, that Jesus came to set us free from, is let me tell you, the enemy will oppose you. So don't think it's strange. And we'll talk a little bit about it here in the future. But I believe even as we see over particular areas, maybe even over, say for example, the area of Montrose, that there is a spirit of homosexuality, of of sexual perversion that's over that area, and that's why you go down there. And obviously, that's where it's certainly. San Francisco, the same way. All these things are strategies that the enemy has set up. Daniel prayed and unleashed the power of God. And when you pray, you and I pray, it unleashes the power of God. Now, Daniel's prayer put into action angels from heaven who engaged in spiritual battle. We need to ask God. And some people, this is debatable. And this certainly is is somehow people will say, well, you're not. God will do this on his own accord. But I believe we can ask the Lord to release his angels in particular situations. Lord, release your angels in these situations to do battle. I'm up against warfare. Ask you to cover and, and surround us with your angels. We all, I believe, have those ministering angels. And they are ministering angels and there are warring angels that are out there. You know, the Lord's, ta- word, the, the Lord's name and many times is called the Lord of Hosts. And what that means is he is a valiant warrior. He fights on our behalf. And he gives us instruction in how we are to do battle as we pray. Daniel knew how to do that. And he prayed and he prayed. And I want to tell you, what if things could be affected by our prayers from the way that they would otherwise if we hadn't prayed? Okay. If you don't pray, you know, just think of the things that could happen here. Or if you did, think of the effective church that we would have. Think of the people who would be saved. Think of the powerful witness that we could have to an unsaved world if we could only pray like David did and have God's power made available to us. Think about the close relationship with God that we have. You see, that power is available to us. God has ordained that our prayers can influence His power. We can pray and unleash the power of God in our lives. And when we pray, something happens. Power is released. Don't ever doubt it today. That is it's it's something that obviously as you commune with God, as you talk to the Lord, as you pray, is power released that you can live the Christian life and you can defeat these adversaries that may have been in your lives for years and years and we all have them. You know, sometimes we all have luggage and God is saying today it's too heavy for you. And if you'll pray to me, I'll take that luggage away. I'll take it away from you. But we've got to pray. And so pray unleashes the power of God. But look at what Daniel, there were a couple things that Daniel really needed. And that was certainly he he knew he needed wisdom. And we need wisdom also. He wanted that wisdom. In verse 12, he says, the Lord said, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, Daniel wanted to know the things of God. You know, many of us want the wisdom that comes from God, but a lot of times we don't want to study. We don't want to get into the Word. We don't want to pray. We don't want to do these things. Now, God can supernaturally impart that wisdom to us. And in James chapter 1, we are to ask for wisdom, he says, but we've got to ask believing that God will give it to us. And the Word is, and He'll give it to us unupbraided." upbraided knot. In other words, we can ask for wisdom, 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 wisdom. We never tire God out. Because we can ask for it. Because he knows that worldly wisdom will lead you and I down the wrong path. When we pray for godly wisdom, we want to believe that God is saying that we will get the wisdom. So how did Daniel seek God's wisdom? In chapter 9 there in Daniel, verse 2. It says, "...in the first year of his reign I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last seventy years." Then Daniel knew the scripture. He knew Jeremiah, the prophet. Daniel studied the scripture. He was a man of the word. And we seek God's wisdom through God's word. And certainly we need to be effective. We need to have a reverence for the author of the word. We need to have a healthy fear of God. You know, the reason why this country has gone away is, and certainly the church, maybe is the church at Laodicea. It's because we don't have a fear of God, not being afraid in that sense, but a sense of respect, a sense of awe, a sense of reverence. We need to get back to that. I pray every day that the Holy Spirit of God would impart in my heart, a, a respect for God, a fear of the Lord. Every day I pray this, that prayer every day. I pray that every day. In Job twenty eight twenty eight here. You know it says, And he said to man, The fear of the Lord that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. In Psalm one eleven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. What about those who are not seeking wisdom or are having a healthy fear of the Lord? Listen to Proverbs chapter one. Then they will call to me, but I'll not answer. They'll look to me, but will not find since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of God. God didn't hear because they didn't want wisdom. They didn't have a respect for God. They did not want the things of God. They wanted their worldly wisdom. And so often today, even the church falls into that trap of going along with the way the world is. we are come out. We've come out. We're consecrated to the Lord. We are the Lord's and he is ours. We're not to do things the way the world does. God is saying today, I want to show myself to you. And yet you've employed all these earthly methods somehow. And you think you're going to be successful with them. I don't believe that. I believe we need Godly wisdom. And we need the power of God to come back in his church today. We need the Holy Spirit of God. The power of God who resides in every believer. Who will help us through life. And asking him for these things. We need that fear of God. You know, you know, if we're truly seeking God's wisdom, we'll see that too. We need to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And, you know, and, and sometimes that we become content and all, we do things because we've always done them that way and so forth, and we're not following the Spirit of the Lord. And I've talked about this before. God's on the move. Revival's coming. He's going to do some things that we have not seen before today because our hearts need to be awakened to His holiness just like Isaiah He says, woe is me, when he saw the king there. He saw God on his throne, and he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst people of unclean lips. Remember that? This was Isaiah, the prophet of God, chosen of God, to prophesy. And yet he said, woe is me. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to draw near, let me tell you, he's going to reveal things in your life, not to condemn you, but that we would bring it before the Lord and we'll receive the cleansing and the blood of the Lamb, that we receive that cleansing and freedom today. There's so many Christians in bondage today. There's so many Christians who are walking in captivity. They're saved, but yet they're captive to old habits and old things today. And God is saying, I'm drawing near today. Open your heart to me because I want to set you free. That's why Jesus came. He does not want us to be held captive to those things. The second thing is we need to humble our hearts. In verse 12, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind, understanding. And to humble yourself before your God. He humbled himself. He fasted and prayed. I believe the today he, he wanted his complete attention to be upon God. I ask for God for grace for for fasting. Fasting and prayer go together. And how God works that out in your life, I think there's certainly guidelines about fasting. But it certainly is to seek Him during that time that you are fasting. And it's something you do in private. But I believe the two go hand in hand today. Because Daniel was a humble man. He was confident in his God. He basically was saying, God, if you don't do this, I'm in bad trouble." Because I'm trusting you completely. I cannot do this. We cannot do this today. There are things happening in this country too. I told you. Keep your eyes open. It's all manifesting through the natural. But it's starting in the physical. God is doing mighty things today. Throughout history, God's power has been manifested in humble men. Moses, remember that? Numbers chapter 12. He was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And then there was David. David. And the Bible says in Acts 13, he was a man after God's own heart. These men and uh, certainly others were used powerfully by the Lord because they humbled themselves before the Lord. We need to recognize that pride is sin and sin causes our prayers to be powerless and ineffective today. Pride was there remember Isaiah 1, again, when you spread out your hands of prayer, I'll hide my eyes from you, even if you offer many prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. But to the humble, God says this in Psalms 10, you hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. Certainly humble, you encourage them and you listen to their cry. Now my favorite, and uh, I heard recently, I didn't know, I probably heard this before though, but Mike Pence evidently put his hand on the Bible there and and it was open to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And we all know that scripture, don't we? Yeah. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. He took the oath of office with his hand on the Bible, right on that. And you notice people praying. Have you ever heard? As far as government's concerned, people praying now, in the name of Jesus, like they are. You know, um, Melania prayed. Uh, I guess part of the Lord's prayer there got a whole lot of flack, didn't they? Didn't she? And uh, and there are others that are praying. They're praying today. You remember there at the inauguration of Donald Trump? Don't get me wrong; he's a man. All right, I'm not say anything about. It. So are we? We're men and women. Okay, we have flaws. if if y'all haven't figured that out yet I want to tell you, God will show you okay, I'm flawed okay, but remember that name of Jesus Christ was named as they began to pray in the name of Jesus, those that were praying Remember, all these things are very, very important. Keep your eyes upon what's happening. Not that we keep our eyes on the natural. And remember, obviously, that this is all happening in the spiritual. Things are happening. People have turned. There has been, I want to tell you, and I will speak this to you today, there's been an about face as far as, obviously, what we see in government, but also in the church. There's a turning that's taking place. We're going in a direction. What repentance is, It's a change of mind and it's a change of heart. You are going this way and you got touched by the Lord and you started and you turned and you went the other way. God is yielding and giving out. He's the spirit of repentance. He's releasing the spirit of repentance too. We're going, that's what's happening. It's happening all over. And if we'll humble ourselves and we'll pray and we'll seek his face and we'll turn from our wicked ways, then he said he'll hear from heaven. And he will heal our land. But that means individually too. Maybe you need healing for something. Maybe it's something in your life you're saying, I just can't get over it. Humble yourself and go to God and say, get this out of my life, Lord. I'm tired of it. I don't want it there. I know it's a hindrance to my relationship with you. And Daniel was praying in that way. The third thing is, is we need to pray persistently. Daniel prayed persistently. It means he prayed continuously here. Verse 12. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you've set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before the Lord. Your words were heard and I've come in response to them. The angel came in response to his words, to his prayers. How long was Daniel praying? In verse 3, I ate no choice food, no meat, wine touched my lips. And I used used no lotions at all until three weeks were over here. And we know that during this time, Daniel fasted and prayed. He'd been praying for three weeks. And, <clears throat> but from the very first day, Daniel's words were heard, the angel was coming. In other words, the angel was dispatched to come, to work that out, to pray that, and, and to do that warfare, to get through those demonic spirits. And he's, he's teaching us when we continue to pray, do you think that it releases more power? I believe it does. Why do we have to continue to pray if God heard us the first time we uttered the prayer? And he says he even knew it before we asked it. Why do we have to continue? Well, there's certain things I don't understand. But I do know this. God wants a relationship with you and me. And when you begin to pray, he loves to hear us and he loves to answer our prayers. And he opens things up today. And he says, don't give up. If you have a prayer today that somehow it has not been answered, you believe it's what God... Maybe it's for the salvation of a family member or a neighbor or a friend or somebody and, and you're praying and you have not seen the completeness of this prayer answered. Don't give up. Don't give up. There could be a hindrance of something going on spiritually with the fallen angels that somehow are try, trying to divert the activities of God and the answers to our prayers. Remember, in the angels coming with a response to Daniel, Daniel, there was a spiritual battle that was going on. Now, what would have happened if Daniel had stopped, say, after two weeks of praying, or 20 days? Would the angel have arrived? Would Michael have come to his assistance? Would the angel have been strong enough to overcome the resistance of these demons? The text here doesn't tell us that. But this is one thing that I do know, that when you pray, it releases divine power. Now, you're in your car, and you're going down the road, and you pray. Somebody's Name comes to mind and you begin to pray for them. You just, you know, you just pray Lord, I don't know what's going on. A lot of times when that happens and that name comes back, if you'll pay attention, a lot of times it's something somebody has, where somebody has a need and God has pinpointed that you would be the one to release power in that person's life. That they may be somehow protected sometimes. That somehow maybe it might be a need. Maybe emotionally we're just down in the dumps. People get down in the dumps and, and all. Maybe you, they just need to be uplifted. They need a refreshment. They need a, a time that God comes and just refreshes them and picks them back up. Pay attention to those names that you hear. You know, people, God has shown me at various times different names when I, at various times. And if we don't pay attention to them, I've always talked about that here is that sometimes we may miss it and somebody may miss a blessing. Pray. It releases the power of God. We need to pray because it releases divine power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, though we live in the world, we're living in the world, we don't wage war at the world as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds and we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We wage war with divine power because this is the way God has ordained it. We do not. When you get in an argument with somebody or you have a difference with somebody, let me tell you, don't try to fight it in the natural. It's a spiritual war he says you're not we, we fight differently you pray for that individual you pray for the situation many times God will show you that, that you might be it's the large part to blame for it okay when you start praying okay then we can pray to the Lord don't fight that person What happens with divisions in churches is the same way. Somebody said something that wasn't sensitive to the individual, you know, and always said something, you know, was uh, maybe downright harsh or whatever it may be. And I've heard people say, I'm not going back to that church anymore. That one person hurt my feelings. So I'm out of here, and I'm not coming back. I'm out of here. And that person never darkens the church's doors all of their lives, and they miss the blessings of the Lord. I want to tell you, that happens a lot. And before long, there's one side taking up taking sides of the other. And before long, this one is bickering, there's gossip, there's all types of stuff that God hates and it becomes divisive. And before long, the church is out of existence because it's divided. And before long, we forget where the warfare is. It's in the spirit realm. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your ra- waist. That truth is who Jesus is in your life <clears throat> and who you are in Christ. The breastplate of righteousness there, you've got that breastplate on, protects the inner part of you, it's righteousness, it's Jesus' righteousness, the devil will tell you, you know what, you blew it again. You might as well give up on this Christian life. You messed up so bad this time. God has had it with you. That's not when God puts that breastplate of righteousness on you. You have the righteousness of Jesus. The same righteousness. And then he goes on to say, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, you're going everywhere you go. You want to share the word of God with people. You want to share peace with people because you have that inner peace that passes all understanding. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You got your faith, all right? The devil comes in. He tells you this because he works in your mind and he begins to tell you things. And before long, you begin grumbling you begin sort of just complaining, nah, nah, nah. that person, or this person, or this circumstance, and before long, you're just like, a, you're an old grump. <laughs> God says, put up, hold up the shield of faith, which extinguishes all. He doesn't say part of them. He says, all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Those thoughts come in your way. Man, he fires away. He's good. He's good, and he fires. He fires, and you're holding up to shield faith. In other words, by faith, you say, this is not of God. The person brings an accusation. Before long, that accusation again travels along. Before it even gets several people down the way, it's distorted. You shouldn't stop right then. Begin by saying, I don't believe this by faith. God, if you speak to me and tell me, then I'll keep it to myself, and I'll pray to you about it. But what happens is, as we fail to use and declare, this is not so, so by faith. Somebody tells you a lie, and you go, that's not right, that's a lie. You didn't hold up the shield of faith to say, no, this is not right, and I am not to retaliate because to begin with, my fight is not against my spouse, it's not against my brother and sister in Christ, it's not against my neighbor. It's not about that person that sits next to you in your cubicle there in the workplace or wherever you may work. My fight is against the principalities and powers of darkness. It's not against people and flesh and blood. It's about spiritual warfare. And our weapons are not carnal. In other words, our weapons are not like the world. The world takes it out. Now, they used to fight when I was a young kid, young guy. We'd say, they'd go, meet, you, meet me at the school. And we'll see who will win this argument. And so what did they do? They went to fisticuffs, right? They didn't do that. Somebody come back and say, somebody beat this guy and so forth and all that. Well, what they do, what's their weapons nowadays? A gun. And what do they do? They blow somebody away. God's saying our weapons are not any of this. They're not carnal. But they're mighty in pulling down strongholds. It's prayer is a weapon today. You release more power in the spiritual realm when you pray and you pray persistently like Daniel did than you would ever do by getting into a knockdown, down drag-out argument with somebody that you disagree with. Don't argue with them. Don't do it. As we see revival beginning to draw close, as we see God's people beginning to be equipped and prepared to receive what God is doing, the blessings of the Lord, the enemy comes in and says "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, I'm going to try to stop this and he'll do everything. Remember his mission and he has a mission, a strategy to destroy you and destroy me, to destroy ministry, destroy your families, to destroy you and I. That's what he's after today. So look for it, but yet Put on this full armor of God. And then he goes on to say, take the helmet of salvation, which is the mind of Christ and the sword of the spirit and wield it, which is the word of God. You remember Jesus said it's written. You can go to the word. Okay, go to the word and God will use the word of God. Will you always get the right scripture? God will take that scripture and that word and speak to you and he will deliver you if you'll do it his way. The problem today is people are hating one another. I told you, I mentioned this several times, that in community, in the body of Christ, is power when we're together as one, right? Mm -hmm. And we're together as one here, in this body. There is power that can release, is being released in this body today. But when we get in built up somehow, maybe factions here and there and all that, it, it, it dilutes what God wants to do. And it's not pleasing to the Lord. And so I want to tell you, pray. And I believe constant prayer, persistent prayer will release the power of God. And again, I don't know why God has chosen necessarily except for relationship. He just wants you to talk to him. He loves to hear from us. He loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love. The Holy Spirit's deeply in love with us, folks. He loves us so much that he wants to see us successful in whatever we do. He wants us to be victorious over that habit or that sin or that particular bondage, whatever it may be. That's what God wants to do. That's his business. He wants to set us completely free. Ask him and keep, continue to walk in it. You know what happens. Remember the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18? <clears throat> then Jesus told his disciples a parable, a story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said... In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But he finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God, I don't care about men at all. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming." Okay, now I know this is a little bit in the sense of who God is and and all, not that God, but what God is teaching us in this is to keep on praying. Be persistent in prayer and don't give up. There's something you've been praying for and even here today. And some of you have been praying for a particular issue and yet God has not released the answer to you. Watch, he's going to release it. Be obedient to what God's told you. Be faithful until He calls you. And remember, we're not perfect. Ask Him. If there's a sin in your life, confess it. Go to Him and confess it. Renounce it. And ask Him that He would completely deliver you. And cleanse you with His blood. He will. He will take you. Whatever it may be. Your past, your present, your future. Jesus paid it all. And all Him I owe. But don't give up. Remember here, a couple weeks ago, I also said that God is imparting a prevailing, prevailing Prayer, spirit of prayer, supernatural. To pray for revival until we see people. Because today, we need the Lord. We need the Lord more than ever. We need the power of God to come back into the church like we've never seen before. And God is releasing that prevailing prayer that we pray. That He will come and do the things He wants to do. Don't give up. Exodus 17. Y'all know the story. And remember when Joshua was in the, uh, in the valley fighting the Amalekites, I believe it was. And remember what was happening? Moses was up on the mountain, and they looked down in the valley, and Joshua and his troops, the Israelites, were fighting. And Moses lifted his hands up. And when Moses' hands were lifted up, remember, Joshua would win. But Moses got tired, and his hands began to drop. And when they began to drop, then the the adversary, the Amalekites started to defeat Joshua. Well, Aaron and her came on each side of Moses and held his hands up and they kept him holding up. His hands are symbolic of prayer. That's symbolic of when we pray without ceasing, when we pray prevailing and not giving up for whatever it may be you're praying for, is that God will release power Joshua defeated the Amalekites and we also will defeat those enemies. Don't give up. You know? Um, persistent prayer. Power released here. Because Daniel humbled himself. He said I can't do this without you Lord. And angels were dispatched to do war. They were warring. They're fighting. Michael fought. Took him a while to fought. Okay? Why? again, God could speak and they'd be all destroyed. Remember this also, that a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven when they were disobedient to God, remember? Lucifer, Satan, had a prideful heart and he wanted to be take God's throne. And God said no. And a third of them went with him, but two-thirds were in heaven. There were two-thirds that were obedient to the Lord. There are other, obviously, uh, angelic beings in heaven and all this and I believe the seraphim and and all that and, and that are there, but only there are two thirds there. So we're a third cast down. But I want to tell you, I believe that the enemy knows that his time is getting short. And so, what is he up to? His strategy. One thing is is to destroy those who want to know the Lord and want salvation, and and all because somehow the Bible talks about that those who have not been saved that their, their ears, they can't hear it. They can't hear it. God has to remove that off of their ears, that blockage. They can't hear it. But you can pray for somebody and power will be released that somehow those that blockage will be removed and they can hear the gospel and they can come to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan knows his time is short. Now when that time will be, I don't know, but I know there is warfare going on. He came to destroy people, okay? He came to destroy churches. He came to to uh, somehow destroy marriages. He came, he came, he came. You know, today in marriages, children being born and they don't have their father or mother in there. And it's hard, it's tough. One parent raising their child and so forth and really God ordained that both the husband and the wife would be there, support one another, come in unity as far as direction for that child. But we see that today and we see the disruption in our society. He is working today and some people say, well, Jim, he is definitely working overtime because I believe that he is trying to destroy. He knows that things are beginning to get ramped up because revival is coming. Get ready. I mentioned here, <clears throat> I think last week, take time in the morning, even if for a few minutes, and get before the Lord and pray. Begin with, with thanksgiving and praise. Just thank Him. Take a few moments in the morning, maybe in your truck, your car, or wherever it may be in your quiet time, wherever it may be, and pray as the Lord leaves. Take a few minutes to do it. God will broaden it. I'm not legalistic in that way. I'm not legalistic in any of these things. I'm just saying begin with prayer. And then in the evening before you go to bed, take time to pray. Pray and just pray and continue to pray. God will open it up, give you grace for more time if need be, and He will do this. But start with whatever time that you're able to do that. Start with praise and worship. Okay. I don't want to miss what's happening today. You remember when Jesus was born there in Bethlehem? That many missed his visitation. There were some that came and some were witnesses and some came to Christ. But many missed his visitation and missed the Lord's visitation. The other thing is, is that obviously, remember the, the two men on the road to Emmaus? They were walking along with Jesus. They didn't recognize him. And they were walking along talking to him and all this stuff. And Jesus finally he disappeared. And then, of course, he had supper with them. And, and the, row, the men on the road to Emmaus said, uh, didn't our hearts burn when we were in his presence? They missed him. And we can miss him also. We can miss this time of revival, of renewal in your heart, in the church today, if we're not careful. We need to be ready, and we need to be looking for Him. We need to be ready. We need to say, Lord, I don't want to miss you and what you're doing today. I want to be ready and prepared. My heart needs to be ready for you. Prepare your hearts, because I believe people are ready to follow you know, not necessarily when a date or a time when you were saved or born again. But are you following Jesus today? Is the question. You see, as disciples of Christ, we are to follow Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. We're to do what He did. He loved people. He went around and He laid hands on people. He prayed for people. He delivered people. He did all these things. He, he somehow healed the broken hearted. Are we doing and praying for people in that way? You know, I was telling the group on Wednesday night that a lot of times the men of of, of God and women of God that I've heard and and great things were done through them in prayer and 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 their relationship with people was when they realized they had compassion for people. Do you have compassion for people? I can pray for people, and we need to do that. But do we have compassion for people? I believe it releases the power of God. People are tired. Of political correctness. (laughs) Are they? Things are happening today. Where you see. There's an uproar about those. Who are not politically correct. For those who are just speaking out there. Truth of what's actually happening. And there's all types of opposition. That's coming against them. Political correctness. Will get you in a whole heap of trouble and you'll never, ever experience what God wants. Be honest, be truthful, and obviously with grace be direct because God is looking for people today to do that, but people are ready to follow. If you do what God wants, you'll be opposed. We see it in the political realm. We'll see it in the spirit realm also. One of the things that we are teaching and we will teach here also and we are on Wednesday night <clears throat> it's relational Christianity it's a relationship with Jesus Christ God's still speaking do you believe that? He never contradicts His word but God's still speaking in fact there are many who believe God's just speaking all the time we're just obviously not prepared to hear Him and we're too busy to hear Him but God is speaking today if you want to hear him and hear his voice is open your heart and say Lord get rid of the clutter out of my life because I'm too busy and I really want to hear from you because what you say I know is going to truly bless my life. Truly listen to the Lord and following him is our goal here at Lighthouse Fellowship in my life. I don't care where he leads I don't care what he tells me to say or to do it doesn't make any difference. As long as As I'm following Jesus. That's it. That's all we need to do. And then obviously, I believe the key to walking with the Lord. You know, the Bible says in Nehemiah, the the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy, have you ever thought of what that meant? I believe one meaning could be certainly our joy. That God releases in our lives. But I believe certainly, it says the joy of the Lord. I believe that God's joy comes from us pleasing Him and being obedient to Him. I believe it blesses His heart. God's emotional, okay? God's emotional. He's our Father. Romans chapter 8. It says, Abba Father, Daddy God. He's close. He's intimate. He made a way. Somehow tear down that old religion because religion kills it. And and yet the Spirit brings life, okay? Religion will destroy you. A lot of people have religion today, but they don't have a relationship. They don't have intimacy with Jesus Christ. They don't know Christ. They've never said, Lord, all these things I believe, and I don't know how how to work those in my life, but I give my heart to you. And when you do that, the Spirit of God will come in. You ask Him, Lord, you work this in my heart. I want to know you. And I want to follow you. And I don't want anything to prevent you doing all that you want to do. And I want to be pleasing unto you. I believe it brings joy to God's heart. It's a simple surrender, isn't it? But that's all God calls us to do. It's surrender and give up. And let God move in our lives the way he wants. I ask it for my wife, my family, and I ask it for this church. I'll ask it for the body of Christ. Lord, we can't do it. I need wisdom. I need divine power. I certainly need that persistent praying. And I need you to come and do that in our our churches, in our families today. Because revival's coming. Revival's on the way. There are a lot of people praying. A lot of people will be there tomorrow. A lot of pastors tomorrow in Trinity. We'll be praying that God will pour His spirit out upon us as a church will come back the way God desires. Be God's church anyway. It's not mine. Not yours. It's God's church. Jesus' church. And so if Jesus, if it's his church, then obviously we need to hand it over to him and say, Lord, come. And you show up at every meeting, every time we gather, corporately, or in meetings, or whatever it may be. You come and you direct us. And when we meet his families, and in my quiet time, come and meet with me, Jesus, by your spirit. And I'll obey you no matter what. Always well, we said that if God knows you're not going to obey it anyway, then a lot of times those prayers go and answer. But if you'll be willing to humble yourself, just like 2 Chronicles 7.14. Or humble yourself. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. I don't want God resisting me to you. Mm-mm. So I'm going to say I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to pray. Until you bring about that which you desire from eternity past. At this particular time of history. Because I believe all of us here have were born for revival. For renewal. In the church. In our lives. In our families today. That people may come into the kingdom of God. But when we go in places, we bring the kingdom of God. And we go into places. I want to tell you, last week I talked about the mustard seed. We're close with that. The tree. Small mustard seed. The tree grew up and people got under its shade. When you go in, people are going to want to be around you and people want to get under your shade, your spiritual shade. So be ready if you're willing to follow Jesus. The question is, do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about just giving a mental ascent to come to church and all that or maybe even a church um, thing. I'm talking about a relationship with Christ. Maybe somehow you're just saying, Lord, um, I'm not where I should be. I know I should be closer to you. I want to walk closer with Jesus. If that's you today, God will honor you. If you say, yes, Lord, yes, that's where I am. I really want to walk closer to Jesus. God will honor your presence. Jesus wants to do mighty things in and through your life, my life, and the life of His church all we do is say, Lord, please make it happen. I'm desperate for you. In a dry and weary land, my soul, as a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth for thee. Like a deer. I know y'all know about the deer. We do. We've talked about it. I love the deer. they got a dark coat right now, don't they? We're talking to George about it. But they get panting out there and they start sweating. And they're panting to go for that water, to get that water. That's the way our soul should pant for Jesus. But it's a choice we make. God, give us grace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, your living word. It's a double-edged sword. We receive the ring of word of God, Lord, and and then uh, that's one side of the sword. But then on the other side that double-edged sword. when we speak to other people it releases this is living and active it touches us it actually cuts right to the very conscience of people. So Lord today help us believe that you're going to use us. And dear God today we just long for your presence in our lives in this church in a way that maybe we've never sensed or never experienced we praise you and we glorify your holy name and it's in Jesus name we pray Amen